Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Bill Woolsey. Bill, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Kevin, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. You know, it's uh, it's not very often that I talk to people that I think their studio looks much cooler than mine, but yours, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here with just green with envy as I'm seeing that wall behind you thinking, you know what, I got to up my game because no, uh, my I virtual you, backgrounds you, just I, don't fly. <laughs> there's an easy way to up your game, Kevin. This is called a frame and it's a cloth thing and it goes around <laughs> a, an aluminum frame. And I just, I was talking to somebody else this morning on zoom and they said, man, that's a cool brick wall you have. And I said, well, it's called a sheet. And it looks real. great. <laughs> it absolutely looks great for sure. For that's sure. Awesome. I appreciate that. And you know what, you've, you've already thrown me off my intro. So oh. <laughs> I'm going to give you a space to kind of recover us here. So tell us a little bit about Bill Woolsey. Uh, Kevin, I've, I've been a pastor since 1987. I was always the guy in um, the congregations as associates that I was in charge of evangelism. So I was in charge of reaching new people. And and I, I come from a family where my mom was a huge entrepreneur. And so I kind of was in my blood. And uh, the, the third call I had uh, nine years in was to go start a church in West Houston. So my family and I went there and we, by the grace of God, decided to approach it like a new business. Uh, we had a line mm. of credit. We had 40 acres. Uh, you know, we had we started it with a staff right out of the gate. And kind of all the antithesis of what I thought you would do when you started a church. Uh, but it was the only way I knew because I'd only been in large staffs all my life. Mm. All my yeah. history. So it, it went really quickly. We grew three, you know, three uh, sites, 1600 in worship from seven families. And uh, God just really blessed it. In the process, I started working with church planters. It's That's a difficult thing to do to plant a church. And we started this network called 52, dot com mm -hmm. in 2009. But about three years in, we realized that the secret sauce and the untapped resource in the church, if we wanted to see more people know Jesus, uh, were these entrepreneurial lay people. And these women and men who have a heart to help people, and they had an idea, but they didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And that's when we kind of pivoted as a network and started focusing there. 2015, we launched our training called Start New, and uh, we did that in person for about five years. And then right before COVID hit, God was incredibly gracious and gave us a gift where during COVID, uh, we just transitioned all the training into an online platform. So that's what I do. I live outside the hill country in Austin, outside of Austin, Texas, gorgeous. Right now I'm looking out my window at beautiful scenery. Uh, <laughs> wife of 37 years, just two days ago. And, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. So and three kids all grown with kids of their own starting and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, just a, it's a, I have a beautiful family, very blessed, and I get to work with some wonderfully creative people who are trying to help people. So, so tell me about the 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 training kind of the network idea. So, 
is the is the training primarily in are you also training people on how to be a good business person or are they already bringing those skills to the table and you're just saying okay how do we add a faith element to this so it's it's a, the, the first part i would say it's it's a very holistic approach so our training uh when it was in person before covid uh, we'd kick off with the 48-hour boot camp, and then it would last two years. Uh, we'd have a, you'd have a coach every month, and you'd have sessions every six months with you and your team. Very team-oriented. But uh, what we we discovered in all of this was, if you look at our training, uh, it's it's we really help you build, fund, and launch new ventures. So those three legs, those three pillars: build, fund, and launch. And in the build, we start with you and your team. So we want to help you build you and your team, then you build your customer, because that's, that sets the tone for everything. And then you build your actual venture, your offering. So in that, in that section where we really focus on you, it's, it's very values driven. It's, it's why you do what you do, help you make sure you're very self-aware and understand that. Because when you go start something, your values become the values of the org. Yeah. And most entrepreneurs don't fully articulate mm -hmm. that or understand that mm -hmm. but because what we want them to do is we want them to bring jesus to the party we don't want him to leave you know them to leave him back home right and so we do some of that and and we also then out of mark six which is where we take our seminal story for our name the feeding of the five thousand five loaves and two fish we teach them about jesus's uh the values he demonstrates and then throughout the training we we call it lovingly call it Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban, <laughs> and uh, so the picture the, that in your mind, listeners. You picture <laughs> it is. We actually have a picture that we show, and it does kind of freak you out a little bit. Uh, but uh, the, the whole point of that is, uh, you know, your point about what does it mean to be a a, a good, and I would just say a faith based business person it does have both sides of the coin, right? And it is the fact that you're operating from a position of trust and faith in Christ, but then you are wise in the ways of the world. And uh, we, we teach you lean business startup principles. You know, you don't, uh, you only spend a dollar once. I yep. remember one, this big financial person, we started Crosspoint and Katie outside of Houston, we were standing on the street and he, he, he was one of the guys with Enron and, and when Enron went under, they kept him, the government kept him to close it down. So very mm -hmm. reputable, high mm -hmm. integrity. But Drew said, Bill, you can only spend a dollar one time and uh, make sure of where you spend it. And I thought, wow, that's really good. I've never heard that before. Let me write that down. <laughs> so I write that one down. <laughs> I'll use that so, later. Yeah. So, uh, so we teach you that. We use a business model canvas approach. Mm -hmm. uh, which, which we've appropriated and added the mother Teresa elements and the Jesus stuff mm -hmm. into it. So it's a proprietary format, but, uh, and, you know, we teach you like financial forecasting and we have this really cool tool that, uh, a guy, uh, one of my leaders years ago gave me. And so we brought that forward and that kind of thing. So it's, it's holistic, uh, and, but it's not, I mean, obviously it's not an MBA in, in business admin or something like might that. might be more valuable in some place, yeah, in some cases. It's very practical. And no. that's, you know, when we started 5-2, Kevin, what we heard from church planters was, okay, I got all the theology, but how the heck do I do this? Mm -hmm. You know, yep. 
what are the practical steps? And we took that same practical value and brought it into our training now. So it's very how to, matter of fact, when we work with church planters, we'll say, look, your theology, theological framework, you need to get that from whoever's sending you or whatever. You know, we're obviously going to have, uh, we have a sacramental approach, meaning the presence of Christ, you're the sacred elements of Christ there, but we're not going to teach you exegesis or something mm -hmm. like that, you know. I probably I'm, will because yeah. I'm a stickler on it, but yeah, that's, that's right. not intentional. <laughs> you, you know, you can't take the pastor out of the boy. No, you that's, cannot. I mean, at some level, that that is true. No, so, you cannot. So, is this primarily geared towards startup, the startup space, or is this any business that that wants to really incorporate kind of a faith element to it? It's any business. Uh, you know, we even have a bonus module on evangelism. Uh, because my whole thing is if we're going to help you start something, we don't want to just help you start a coffee shop or, mm -hmm. right. We want you to, to introduce more people to Jesus. And so we teach you a way to do that. It's non-threatening. It's not in your face. It's a lean in kind of way. Uh, so, but what we've also found in, in, in businesses or nonprofits. So, cause we worked with them all, you know, it's marketplace ministry or whatever you want to call that kingdom business as well, churches. What we found is that our, our material and our process works phenomenally for startup. For, so idea to launch, basically. Mm -hmm. But it also works very well for stuck organizations. Mm. Yeah. Because Almost like usually, a restart. Yeah, that's right. Usually yeah. you're stuck because you've lost sight of your customer mm. and you know, what we, we help you, we really drill in. We spend a lot of time in our training on love your customer and what it looks like to love your customer. Our phrase is you can't reach someone you hate. Mm. And so what does it really look like in your behaviors and your values and your expressions to love somebody that God wants you to serve? And, and that's really, that's why we spend a lot of time in our build section of the training on the pains and gains of that person. And, helping you get into their shoes. If you've already been in their shoes, we have a number of our starts that just very successful. And their idea when they came in was pretty spot on. But our, our practices, you need to hold your idea loosely, because most people have not really thought through who this is for. Yeah, they're just projecting yeah. themselves right. onto it. You know, I thought it was a great idea. That was a great yeah, idea. I hadn't well, asked anybody, no market research. <laughs> it's a great idea. I would like this. Yeah, that's right. I don't know the 10,000 other know, people would. If, if you're trying to reach 100,000 of you, then okay. You know, so. <laughs> but if I'm not my avatar, then I'm in trouble. That's right. If I'm not my avatar, that's that awesome. Exactly I'm going to take right. that phrase too, Kevin, hey, if you don't mind. Use it <laughs> later. That's exactly right. I, it's, it's, uh, it is interesting to me, the, the kind of the thought process behind the the you know, kind of idea to launch. So you, you get to, you get to the point where you're funding, but is that early enough in the process? And, and is that, are you, are you re really like serving as an incubator as well? I mean, are you, are you an equity fund on top of this or do you That's have great equity question. money behind it? Right. It's a great question. We get, we get asked that a lot. Uh, we, we just created a small fund, for that purpose. We actually created it back in May of last year in COVID. Uh, and what we will do starting here in the fall is if you're part of our process, if you're enrolled in our process, you'll have access to a shark tank. So, because when we do this live, 
uh, which we will reinstitute as parts of the country come out of COVID. When we do it live in the 48 hours, we culminate with a shark tank because it forces you to think and pitch under pressure yeah, and it yeah. gets you going, you know? But we will do that now as part of, of scholarships or grants, you might say, up to $5,000 uh, for you. So we are not, you know, like some of the incubators I know and, and part of a, a global collaborative initiative, we're not in the funding realm. Mm -hmm. uh, we're in the training realm. And frankly, though, like, gosh, a majority of our, of our starts came in with virtually no money, but we teach them how to get the money. Right. And, you know, coming out of the figure of the 5,000, one of the reasons we chose that story as the name of our network was that in that miracle in Mark 6, when the disciples come to Jesus and say, the crowd's hungry, you need to send them away. He only speaks twice in that miracle, Jesus does in Mark 6, and both times it's a command. And the first one is he commands them, you give them something to eat. So he's holding them accountable and they can't shirk it. Uh, in which when we work with churches or nonprofits, hey, the people around you, you're accountable for them, right? You can't just pretend and go drive back to your suburb. And then at the second time when they say- No, wait, 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 wait. <clears throat> what do you mean I can't just drive back to my suburb? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Old I just missionary. want to camp on that Thank one. you, old That's missionary right. pastor person yourself. Uh, but then, but then the other side of that is when, when they go, well, you don't want us to spend half a year's wages, surely. And he says, go and he commands them, go and see what's there. Mm -hmm. And that's really uh, the main thing. Uh, and that's what's so powerful about a business model canvas approach. One of the biggest uh, blocks there is partnerships. And when, when we have taught people, uh, don't worry about the money right now. Let's get the idea. Let's get who you're serving. Let's get this thing fleshed out. You're going to be shocked at how God provides. And time and time again, we see that. So I, I'm glad you, you were as thorough as you, as you were in that answer, because I mean, the, the thing that kept resonating in my mind is like, I've, I've had other guests that, that have like business, you know, consultation services. And they say, yeah, I really wanted to focus on the startup space. And they, the, the, the common answer that the next thing out of their mouth is, yeah, but startups don't have any money. It's exactly <laughs> what I heard over. And I, I could write a book on startups don't have any money. So I was curious how, you know, if you're aiming at that, at that space, is this a, you know, is it a backend equity percentage that you're taking? Is it a, you know, is that that type of model that says, you know, when you get this launched, you know, retributively, we're going to, we're going to draw some. Well, I, I, let me just say to that it's, so we have our five, two network, which is a network. And then our training arm is start new training. The training arm we charge, for, but our whole financial model as a network is we're half donative, half earned. Mm -hmm. So we rely on donors to help us make the training affordable. And by doing that, in, in essence, our core outcome that we want for you is we measure success in two ways. One, financial sustainability. And secondly, more people knowing Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to have other core outcomes you want, but those are the two we want you to agree with if we work with you. And that first one, we're a, we're training gurus. I mean, we know if you'll work this process, your chances of success go greatly up. Okay, but if you say, "Well, I just don't want to do that or that or that," well, you can. You're an adult, but 
you know. So we're here to, in essence, we're like risk insurance on startups, especially if it's a, an organization, a nonprofit with a bunch of individuals they're sending or a, a denomination with planting or whatever. Because we have that financial sustainability value, uh, we we want to make sure that you're not going to waste your time and be gone in six months. Right, you know, right. If you're here, so. So let me uh, let me start asking the uncomfortable questions now. That, okay. uh, yeah, these these may be a little, little if, more. If difficult, all of a sudden so. my mic goes silent, <laughs> right. you know. Sorry, you're muted. I can't you're hear muted. you. Yeah. So I mean, when I see when I think about kind of the the interactive faith in the business space, I think of almost two separate and distinct models. So you have a model that says, you know, the we're we're virtually founded on Christian principle. So, you know, we're going to we're going to live almost we're going to do business by the golden rule. We're going to we're going to be honest, we're going moral, to have moral ethical that kind of moral stuff. ethical, yeah, that but but certainly not evangelistic. And then you have companies that that are more evangelistic and it seems like that they tend to run into a lot more friction and um, even, even I, I think aggressive, you know, um, aggressiveness toward them in the marketplace that says, how dare you interject your faith in when I just want to buy a sandwich, you know, when I just want to, you know, fill in the blank. So how, how John you 316 guys... on the bottom of the wrapper of the in and out burger or whatever oh, it is. No doubt know? about it. Right. That's uh, yeah, right. that's, you know, there's, there's different models out there, you know, Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out Burger, right, you know, right, Home right. Depot, whatever, or not Home Depot, but um, Hobby, um, Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Yeah. So you've got, you've got one, one thing is sitting in, in, you know, Texas, which might be the, you know, in the Bible belt, so to speak, you go to Seattle, it's a completely different environment. How, how do you kind of equip businesses to be able to operate? Well, First of all, we, we've done, yes, I'm sitting in Texas, but primarily most of our work has been in Michigan, New York State, Florida, Georgia, uh, Arizona, uh, a little a smattering out in California. We have a number of uh, groups uh, and, and ministries that love us with, with the network out in Seattle and, and uh, Washington, Oregon. Uh, so this is why, you know, when I... Uh, when I look back, so like our training is really a, a curation of stuff we intuitively did in starting ministries, but never really thought about how we did it. Okay. And, and frankly, most entrepreneurs, when you ask them, so how'd you do that? They, they have no idea. They just, <laughs> and they're the apostle prophetic evangelists that God just wired them and they just kind of know how to build momentum and they know how All to right. go gather, you know, they just go on and do it. And that's why we want to leverage those people like crazy in the church and for the sake of good. But uh, so what we, what I would say to you, one of our fortes and my fortes was evangelizing without offending. Mm. And I, I, for, for lack of, you know, for whatever reason, God just always put on my heart two particular passages one is First Peter 3, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. Mm. And so, you know, Peter's whole thing there is you're prepared to give the reason. You're not out there cramming down people's throats the reason. Sure. 
which is a, is a huge relational and you were in mission field internationally. And, you know, when you come into a brand new culture, it, you got to earn a, a right at the table. I mean, you know, they, you don't just get to go sit at the main table and start, you know, promoting all your stuff, people invite you to the table. So that whole aspect of what does it look like to be a person who's invited to give the reason for the hope you have? And then the second one comes out of First Corinthians 9, Paul saying, I become all things to all people that I might save some, uh, which you're not going to, not everybody's going to go for you, but there are some, but the impetus or the methodology to do that is Paul and, and especially Acts 17, the Areopagus, of how he, he takes where people are already and lives with them and affirms the good they have going on in their lives. And then, boom, at some point he gets to the resurrection and people freak out, and, but some go, hey, that's kind of cool. I want to hear more about that. So when we work with you as a business leader, <clears throat> obviously it has to be a value of yours. I mean, it's going to flow out of you. We're not, you know, you're, otherwise you wouldn't want us in there. But when we do... It's for you to understand that, yes, it is moral and ethical. Obviously, it should be uh, all of that, you know, look like Jesus stuff. But at the end of the day, it has to also have a verbal component to it. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it's, they just think you're a great guy, but, you know, that's not going to do them. Everybody small, turns into St. Francis. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, we'll have the little animals run through and bless them as they go or something. But, but uh I'll probably get letters on that one anyway. So, <laughs> but I just uh, offended half your audience. Yeah. Forgive me. I, yeah. I did not mean that pejoratively, but, but I would just say there it's, it's why in, it, we're, we're huge in story and we're huge in kind of like third party stuff. So mm. I was, I was big in family systems counseling. One of the most effective counseling methodologies is, or you'll see this in couples, they'll talk about each other in third person, even though they're sitting right there. Right. And so one of the ways we encourage people to be prepared to share is as simple as, you know, that, that reminds me of a story one time about Jesus. Okay. So it, again, you're just, you're just introducing him. You're not, you're, you're just saying something uh, you're not forcing and you're kind of like, I'll just put it out there and you don't have to do anything with it, but if you do do something with it. So it obviously is a behavioral issue of what does it look like to live a Christ-like life, but then what are some ways of through story of through your own stories of uh, you can just let people know uh, about Jesus in, in non-offensive mm. kind of ways. Now, again, you are going to have some, you're always going to have some settings that people might take offense at that. And there is some wisdom, especially from a legal standpoint with employees and all of that kind of sure. stuff. But that doesn't mean you just abdicate it and, and vacate the square or vacate that space. Let's be wise about it and let's be intentional. So, right. I, you know, we, we were talking just a little bit off camera about uh, kind of the business as mission space. And so, you know, there's, I'm always thinking in, in these kind of bilateral terms and I'm thinking, you know, you have, you have people out there that are in the, the business of mission space that it's almost like, I do business as an end to the, to a means to get to evangelism. You know, it's like a necessary evil to kind of, I'm, I got to oh, play at this huh. just enough so I can get in those relationships and, and get those connections yeah, and, and that right. type of thing. Or you've got the, the other side of the coin that says, you know what, you take mission out of the, out of the mix and the business would stand on its own. 
And so I'm assuming that you would lean a little bit toward the latter because it sounds like to me that you want to do everything with excellence. And so talk, talk a little bit about kind of those two schools of thought. Sure. Uh, as I said, kind of off camera, our uh, appreciation for business's mission, uh, you know, the current terminology is marketplace ministry, uh, you know, in kind of kingdom business, all those things are pretty synonymous. But my appreciation for that grew out of a dear friend of mine who was with United World Mission. And Jeff was very gifted at language. I mean, God just gave him a gift to learn language. And uh, he'd worked for IBM. He and his wife, Robin, went with UWM probably around 93, 94. And so I, we kept in touch over the, over the decades. And somewhere around 2011, <clears throat> he had been in Moscow and then uh, uh, Kyrg Kyrgyzstan. Uh, then he was down in Thailand and then Hanoi. And uh, what he had shared was it was so hard to get into those he said, if you, if you came in and the government said, so what do you do for a living? And you said, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a tourist a suspect, right? I'm a tourist. Yeah. Been here 20 so, years. I'm a tourist. Right. 20 years. So that whole understanding of, uh, of I'm going to, I'm going to go in and, and disciple basically the business leaders and in, in areas and help them be better business people, but then also uh, have this opportunity to share with them you know, my life. Uh, and I, and I, what I always liked about that was it, it's easy to not share, right? I mean, it's very easy to just live life at a certain surface level. And, but Jeff was very intentional that first Peter three, I'm always going to be prepared to give that reason. And so in, in our, in our teaching, yes, we do things with excellence. Yes. I, I, I frankly think that's, you should, period, because you know God has given you some some incredible resources and and desires. Uh, but I would also say to you, we're not here to just help you have a good coffee shop. Okay, so uh, we actually could. I mean, we could help you have a really good mm -hmm. coffee shop, but that's not why we exist. And so when we do talk with people, like. If, if you're trying to do something and, and, th and this is a fine line here and making money is your leading value, then there are a lot of, there are a lot of Christian organizations that would fit that. Okay. We would say we want the leading value to be something like helping people or expanding the kingdom or something like that. Uh, but we also want you to be able to financially sustain mm -hmm. because, you know, money's not the mission, but where there's no money, there's no mission. Right. And so we want you to be wise to that, but that's not where we lead from. It's not my heart. Now God's always provided financially. We've seen this time and time again, but it's kind of like the love of money is the root of all evil. And so let's not run with that one first. You know? Right. Is, would you say your your primary client base would be church planters? I mean, is that the kind of the broad breadth, or is it just kind of a gen, general? No, it's, it's definitely it's definitely uh, it's interesting. Our our client base, first of all, they don't they don't self identify as entrepreneur. That's mm -hmm. a scary term for them at times. Uh, Why is that? They, 
You know, I, th I just, I don't know. I think maybe it's because of the Mark Cuban, you know, Shark Tank sh stuff on TV that this is a high powered, maybe ruthless greedy. at times. Yeah. Yeah. Greedy. Yeah. And so they're uncomfortable with that. They, they do like the word starter, you know, they're mm. kind of a starter. They started mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, That's what so they're trying to do. They're trying to start a church too. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Right. That's exactly right. Uh, no, we, we have worked with a lot of planters. I would say now, though, the pendulum has swung for us that we work with a lot of lay people who are starting uh, some kind of a, either nonprofit or a for-profit, but they really do have a, a, a kind of a compassion heart or mm -hmm. something. They're trying mm -hmm. to fix some kind of social issue mm -hmm. uh, in some form or fashion. Now, we actually, though, in our training, what we're wanting them to become and to understand their calling even more fully is that, in essence, in many situations, they may very well become the pastor of those people. Okay. Right. And uh, again, numerous stories in our starts uh, usually or oftentimes from women who are just wonderful leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I think of a former police officer in Detroit. She worked in sex crime. She started a, a wonderful ministry, Ellie's House, to sex traffic women. She's she's done a number of funerals for women who were murdered on the streets that were part of her ministry. And then I've got, you know, we've got another lady sitting over in Arizona who's literally the number one Ford sales rep in the Southwest. And she and her husband have, have started and lead a wonderful homeless ministry that's phenomenal resource center in Mesa, Arizona, but, and she truly gets it. I mean, she is the pastor to those people. She feels the, you know, Jesus, the sheep without a shepherd compassion for them, but that wasn't where I don't think they, well, I know they didn't see themselves that way going in. Mm -hmm. Okay. But they've become that. And, and that's where I think we're, I'm so excited about what we do because in, in essence, as our culture has moved farther and farther away, from Christianity and, and, and the church at times hasn't tried to stay in the stream. Uh, we need these new expressions that just introduce people to Jesus. Okay. Uh, they're not going to be worship centric. Yeah. Maybe like a church plant, but they are going to be Jesus centric and that's going to be their heart. So. I, uh, it's, it's really a, an interesting approach and, and it's <laughs> one of the more unique, I mean, I've, I've, kind of been in and out of this space for a long time and it's it's a it's a really unique approach that you're you've taken here and and um i i want to applaud your your efforts and and uh certainly um see value in what you're trying to do but tell me some of the things that you know if you could go back you know when you first started this you know just really i mean this was a startup even even for you as well so right tell me right. some of these lessons that you've learned that you think man i wish we'd have known this early it would have made life so much easier yeah uh, I, I i saw a couple things uh one is that from 2009 to 2015 i was leading two organizations so I was leading our our congregation. Now, by the grace of God, we'd built out a staffing uh, org chart and things that allowed me to do that, but it was getting more and more crazy. And uh, I felt that at some point I wanted to go lead this network full time, but I never had put a stake in the ground. I, you know, I probably one of the things I probably uh, would do over again would be at times more purposeful uh, in, in, 
in making some decisions. I've always kind of in my life taken an approach of God will make it clear if that's what he wants, you know? Uh, so I do think though, my wife is the one who's slightly more purposeful and I've, I've had other leaders and boards around me that were, uh, I, you know, I, I, I know that question. I knew you were going to ask me that question and what we would do over, uh, now, you know, now if I were to start churches, I would use our process because we finally have it all nailed down and we just, you <laughs> that's know, that's what I stumbled. wish I knew then. Was yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly why we did our training platform. I wish I would have known it. all this 20 years ago. That's right. Uh, so I, I, I can tell you, I tell you a painful point in my ministry, in my 20 years, uh, so when I led Crosspoint, we scaled very quickly. We went from seven families all the way up to 1,600, uh, three locations, large staff, preschool of 400 kids. And so it went boom, 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 boom. And whenever you do that, uh, the staff and has to be willing to change as mm -hmm. it grows. Yeah. If, if, if they don't, if they don't embrace that, you know, it's Ram Sharon's book on leadership pipelines, phenomenal book. And I've used it in our leadership institutes over years. And he talks about at every stage of the ladder, you've got to be willing to change your values, which means to change your behaviors. And it's the behaviors that are so hard for us to change. And so, I I would just say that was painful for me as at times some staff just didn't want to change or couldn't. And so in that growing season, there was a churn at times mm -hmm. that I just wish, I, I wish I wouldn't have had to go through or, and I wish some of them wouldn't have to go through because they'd look at us and go, Oh, I want to be there. Well, you don't understand to be here is craziness, you know? Yeah. And, and then the same thing in our network that, we've had different seasons that we've moved through and different seasons have required a different mindsets and different skill sets. Like right now with much of the world, you know, our staff at five, two has been deployed ever since the beginning. So we've never all, all been together. So when COVID hit on one hand, we were like, this is no, no change for us. No. We meet yeah. every Tuesday morning on zoom, <clears throat> but at the same time, it meant, we really went all in digital mm -hmm. more than ever before. And that obviously requires a whole new skill set. It requires right. different vendors. And so I think that for me, I, I wish I would have known or appreciated uh, how painful some of the change can be. And I, I remember one time the CFO we had at Crosspoint, she said to me, she said, I've never met anybody like you. You see change as a resource. And, and I thought, huh, actually, that's true. I do see it as a resource. Uh, but at the same time, that's quite unnerving to a slice of the population. A huge slice of the population. A huge slice of the population. <laughs> Matter of fact, I would say <laughs> the population, except for people that are outliers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not so a 50 anyway, 50 gain that's yeah, right yeah 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 so you know uh my wife and i we talk about this a lot you know you look back what you do stuff differently and i don't know i'm kind of like a i'm a sovereignty of god kind of person that you know i mean I, I i don't know about you but i've had a few train wrecks and at times you know and you just kind of go man, that was a wreck, you know, or whatever, it hurt a lot, or, you know, that staff relationship, whatever it may be. And, uh, 
but you're like, okay, God, you, you, know, you were okay with me going through that and you had something there and I'm not going to spend a lot of time lamenting it as much as what can I learn to not repeat it, you know, or whatever it may be. So, I mean, I, I love the, the, uh, when you were talking about, you know, just adapting to change, like your staff adapting to change. That is so true in any startup, you know, <clears throat> yep. as it, it's as it goes true. through this growth curve that that's right. You, know, you can, who started this to the team that started may not be the team that can carry it to the next level. You know, and, and it's interesting because early on with Crosspoint, uh, Gallup was doing a huge study of, uh, of successful planners or effective planners. And, and they invited me to be part of it. And, and I remember them saying at one point, uh, what we found is that the individual who's able to scale, uh, on one hand, they have this trait of, humble confidence so they're very confident but they're also very open to mm. you know that that may not work and i need to be open to new ideas uh harvard had a, a an article that i i carded it's still in my my uh my computer and i still refer to it on why entrepreneurs don't scale can't scale and and it really does ha it comes down to this whole thing of sharon saying you've got to be willing to change your values and you've got to be willing to change your behavior. And so you'll get people who will say things like, well, I'm just a serial entrepreneur. What they're really saying is, I just really enjoy being a serial entrepreneur. Okay, that's fine, you know. Uh, or they love the early startup phase. They, they love the early startup. You know, I know you might know, I know planters like that, right? They'll mm -hmm. go and plant a little thing and did it and move on. Pass it on, yeah. Yeah, pass it off. And sometimes they pass off well, and sometimes they don't pass off well. And uh, so I think that that for me, my goal was always to try to see if I could figure out how to, how to scale. And so when we work with, like I just worked uh, here locally with a husband and wife, who she runs a nonprofit. She's a United Methodist church pastor, a lovely lady. And he's a doctor and they, they have a, a medical clinic that has just gone bonkers. And so they said, hey, could you meet with us? Strong, strong Christian people. I mean, lovely people. And said, you know, could you meet with us and help us figure out the chaos that we have and how to bring some order out of it? And it was a classic case of they had just grown so fast and mm -hmm. now they needed to rethink how they reorder. But from my family systems background, you know, if you really want the mobile to change, there has to be a piece that's willing to change because then it will make everything else chaos, you know, yeah. offset. And, and the founder is the one, okay? The founder either has to change and say, I'm going to take on this new role, which is often hard to do, or they have to say, I value that role so much, I will defer to that role. And and especially when you get to that point of growth where you've got to have some organizational structure so that everybody knows what they're supposed to do, that founder has to promote that, that, that value mm. in the form of person and behaviors in the org or else it doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm glad that you, I think you've touched on clarification, but I want to, I want to close today with, with, uh, just a clarifying question. And then I want you to tell everybody where the best place to, to touch base with you online is, but it's almost counterintuitive what you said that the, the founder has to change values. So to me, that, that's, that sounds almost exactly opposite or antithetical to everything else you've talked about this. So clarify that for me a little bit, what you mean, you're, 
you're not talking about intrinsic, the things that drive me at, at the, my core being you're talking, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You, you define that. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a great interviewer and you catch the nuances. So our, our training, and I believe very strongly that uh, it's your passion and your values that are going to energize you and move you out and get this new thing going. So on one hand, you've got this this value or passion for individuals or whatever it may be. But at the same time, uh, and again, you and I were talking in the context of scaling. We were talking in the yeah. context of a founder saying, uh, I, I actually want to kind of see this thing grow and blow, you know, uh, as opposed to I love that early phase and I want to go do another early phase. So I do have to say to you, and I, and I learned this the hard way. So this is probably going back to one of your questions of earlier. There was a season in my ministry that, and who knows if I got this through seminary or whatever, but it was something like uh, pastors, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't need to pay attention to the money, okay? And what I learned the hard way there was if I didn't pay attention to the money, somebody would, and mm. it was probably going to be at the detriment of, of the vision and the org. And so I had to all of a sudden say, you know what, it's very important for me to pay attention to the money. And that was not my typical modus operandi. And that what that meant was, and ever since then I've done this, uh, I have like, you know, I have a forecasting spreadsheet that we use and I know where we're looking at money being every month. And we reforecast every month. And I've done this now for a decade with every org. And, and it meant that I needed to sit down with the financial people and ask the hard questions and own that. Now, that was not Bill Woolsey's true north going into that. Now, again, I could have said, I don't want to do it, but then you need to put somebody else in the senior role, yeah. right? So it's, it, that's kind of what I'm talking sure. about. And actually, there's probably some intrinsic value there that did change in me, but it changed because I had a more prominent or value of saying, I really want to try to see this thing through. I really mm -hmm. want to you know, I, I want to grow and change as a, as a leader. Right. Okay. And that, that trumped the other ones, yeah. I might say. So I, I love the way you clarified that. And, and the way you just closed this out with the, really the importance of, you know, being, um, I, I think I'd written something down a long time ago that, uh, able to compromise position without compromising conviction. That's a you great know, statement. Yeah. Um, just mm -hmm. that whole idea of being able to bend, you know, where, where bending is necessary without, you know, being untrue to, you know, the, the core of, you know, mm -hmm. the core value there, but uh, Bill, I, man, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time on a, on a Friday afternoon. And uh, I'm, I'm the only step between you and a weekend. And uh, <laughs> actually, tell... Kevin, you have it. I don't know if you've been to Texas, but a buddy staying with me while my wife is living with my daughter, who's in early labor out in Phoenix. And, and he and I, as soon as we stop this recording, we are going over to Lano, Texas, to Cooper's Barbecue, shameless plug, best barbecue around. So Cooper's, we get an affiliate cut for all barbecue sold off this podcast. Uh, we, we look for a check in the mail, but uh, Bill, tell everybody where the best place to contact you. Uh, there, there are a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, we would We would love for you to kick the tires on and explore our training platform at startnewtraining.com. Again, our donors have made it where it's very accessible, very inexpensive. It's soup to nuts. Everything you need to go from idea to launch, or if you're stuck, uh, 
making sure you spend that good time in who's your customer, who does God want you to be serving, and that's all in there, including fundraising and all sorts of stuff. So startnewtraining.com, all one word would be there. You can send me an email if you have email questions, and and I will, I or our staff will, will all gladly respond. That's B as in boy. Woolsey, W-O-O-L-S-E-Y at 52-F-I-V-E-T-W-O.com. You can also go in through either 52.com or startnewtrain.com and click on contact us and, and we'll reach out. And we're really big on talking with you. Uh, you, you know, if you come in through that, uh, we'll, we'll send you an email and you can grab a 15 minute time with us. And we'd love to hear your story and hear what God wants to, has put on your heart. So. Bill, once again, I, I thank you for taking the time. And uh, as you've, I've had to suffer through your beautiful background for the entire podcast here. I, I have. I overcome. actually like yours. I was jealous of yours. You got like a green plant and everything there. So I, I, I'm sorry, but it's fake. But uh, I, I hate to burst your bubble. But uh, mine's yeah, it's, fake too. It's a, it's a Google image that's a virtual background. So, uh, Bill, thanks again for just taking the time and as you're heading into your weekend to share with us and really just help all boats rise in a rising tide. Bill, have a great weekend. Thank you, Kevin. You too. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.